crap, everybody. It is Catfish on Ice, episode 212, with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Mom. Coming at you right after the Predators and the Canadians. That was a game. I'm going to say this right now. That was the most intense end of a game that we have had so far. In this current season for the National Predators, I don't know, Max. Do you agree with me that my heart was there. I, pounding? I think, I think the one, I think the ones we've had the past three, because remember we've, including tonight, we've had games in the past three Sunday nights. I think all those games are definitely in the top five of most intense finishes for a game. They were this one tonight, man. Was so intense. We got some people jumping in. Mike Twitter says, "Nice, we are here." Nikki jumps in and says hi from the dressing room for, before my own game, okay. y'all. Good we'll luck, hang Nikki. for a bit. Now that is a true, that is a true fan right there. Oh, yeah. That's why Nikki is one of the goats of this show because of, of all of our amazing listeners. She's, she's, she's about to go out and actually a play a real hockey game. Here I am sitting on my fat ass just talking about hockey. <laughs> and Nikki's about to actually go out there and do it. So she's a real OG. Thank you, yeah. Nikki, for jumping in on YouTube. She's in the dressing room jumping in right now. Uh, in the locker room for Catfish yeah. and I. She's amazing. We love her. We love Mike Twitter, who's in here. So many fans. We hope to get more in here as well. But we are jumping in right after the Preds. Just got a huge win on a back-to-back, back end of a back-to-back um, against the Montreal Canadiens, a team we don't see very often, but a team that has a ton of speed, a ton of young talent. As we saw on display tonight. Um, so, Max. Yep. For breakfast. For breakfast, normally, I like to have scrambled eggs. I love scrambled right. eggs. It just gets me going. It gets my energy. It like gets my eggs. protein in me. Gets me off to a good start. The Preds were in scramble mode for two <laughs> of the three periods tonight. Yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, it wasn't mm. necessarily so for the – I thought we started the second pretty well. We were getting pressure. But after, like, the first half of the period – the wheels fell off and we were and again it was it was one of those another game where at least on the bright side we can see now UC Soros is regaining his form because he mm. had to be in form if we were gonna win that game. He was. Yep. 37 saves for the juice master UC oh, yeah. Soros. Crazy yeah. game north of the border. So I will be completely honest. Yesterday or Saturday recording this on a Sunday night right after the Preds beat the Canadians two to one. Very low scoring game. Didn't feel like a low scoring game at all. It didn't really, honestly. But it was a two to one final score. But the Preds win. But um, I will be completely honest. I did not get to see much of the four zero loss to the Maple Leafs on Saturday. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. Before we go any further, it, it all goes above hockey. Um, everything, all of our thoughts. So. We're all from Nashville here. I live in Florida now, but I felt powerless last night because I saw my hometown, a lot of friends, a lot of family in the path of destruction of a really deadly tornado, multiple tornadoes that hit the Middle Tennessee area. First of all, Max, I want to ask you, how are you doing? Uh, How's your family doing? How are your friends doing? Give us an update on everything going on there. I personally am fine. You know, I got I got a number of people reaching out to me asking if things were all right. You know, me personally it was cool. My no one in my family was affected. Thankfully, no one that I no one that I know personally was affected. I don't I, I haven't heard. I, I hope not. You know, I texted a few people who 
I wasn't sure. And luckily all of them were safe, but it, it was definitely scary. You know, I, so I live right here in Nashville. I live like a mile from Broadway. So I'm like right in the, I'm like right in the, the city. And luckily for us, it was just, it got a bit stormy and there was nothing actually that serious. Like I, I never even lost power um, or anything. So that was, so I was fortunate to not be in the thick of the, the mass destruction, but people that were like 10, 20 minutes north of me, they, they had it a lot worse. And yeah, yeah I just, you know, so it's, you know we it's, had, it's, uh, it's, we it's, had, honestly, I mean, for me personally, if I'm being honest saying this, it honestly comes, it honestly is tough for me to like, come across saying being sincere whenever you're like in not in the middle of the destruction you know other people that are but it's just like you, you just wish everyone's okay and just feel fortunate that you weren't in, in the middle yeah. of the bad stuff that happened yeah so i mean i grew up in in middle tennessee i grew up around tornadoes you get ready for it normally in the springtime you get those uh supercells those line of storms that come through and you just brace yourself. It's like rolling the dice. Is is your street going to be called? Is it yeah. is it your street that the tornado is going to land on? But on this particular night in the middle of December, it's very unusual. And yeah, um, so I'm I'm at my job. I'm a bartender in in Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida. For a lot of people who might be new to the podcast. But I am a Nashville native. I grew up in Middle Tennessee. And when you find out news like that, you feel completely powerless. You feel like there's nothing you can do. Absolutely. And even if you're there in person, you're still powerless against the tornado. Oh, yeah. But I, it was it was it it was very scary. And I immediately thought about everyone. My I look at whole Nashville community as my family, even people I don't know. And it immediately just threw everything out the window when it came to the Preds and Maple Leafs game. I know they got beat for nothing. Um, didn't get to catch a lot of the game as it was because I was at work and I was going to watch it after the after work. But, um, yeah, scary stuff. Uh, we will definitely share details on how to help. What was three different tornadoes that hit north of Nashville surrounding area, Clarksville, Hendersonville, Madison, Gallatin, um, into Kentucky, into Bowling Green, you had three different tornadoes. So we're always thinking about our listeners. We're always thinking about our community. We uh, we love y'all, and we will do whatever we can to help rebuild those communities. We'll come together as a community like we always do. And before we do anything in this podcast, we will always give a shout-out to our Nashville community and our neighbors and our family. And so we're thinking about everyone. If you're listening tonight and you just went through some losses – or whatever might have happened through this storm. If it impacted you, we're here for you. We're, we're thinking of you. Let's talk a little hockey tonight. Let, yep. Let's let lower, lower um, the intensity a little bit and have some fun tonight. But we're thinking about you. We care about you. And we'll do whatever we can as a community to help rebuild. So with that said, it is Catfish and Ice episode 212 brought to you by DraftKings, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. The Preds beat the Canadians. Two to one tonight. We are going to give post game reaction to what just happened, how we, how me and Max both saw that game. One of the more intense finishes and in intense games of the year, me personally at least. And we're going to break that game down a little bit more. Who stood out? What? Who were the players that stood out? I think we already know a couple. After we know what we're going to talk about. Yes, for sure. After that, we are going to dive deep into the deep end of analytics. 
Uh, we are going to really look at how the Preds are excelling in certain cal- categories, where they're struggling maybe a little bit. Max has got some categories he's looked at. i got some things I've looked at. Really try to break down wh- who are the Preds as this season gets more out of its infancy and we are starting to really get some concrete numbers. And really, the good teams and the really great teams are, are going to start separating themselves from the con artist, from the frauds. Who do the Preds want to be? Do they want to be a real contender? Maybe not a Stanley Cup contender. I won't go that far. But are they a real playoff contender at least? Or are they a fraud? We don't know yet. It's still so early. But we're going to look at some of these analytics and going to have some fun with it. Max Greenberg wrote, our, our co-host here, wrote a really awesome article for Predlines.com. Going to get us updated on some stat leaders for the Predators in some key categories. We're going to look at that article. We're going to really talk about, are we surprised by some of these leaders in some of these categories? Are we not so surprised? Will these leaders hold? Or are there some other players out there who might rise to the top? We got to give you the latest on Tyson Berry trade that we we really hit that hard in the last episode. And there's been way more that's come out since then, too. Like, we did not by yes. any means cover the extent of, of all that. I'm not going to get – that's all I'm going to say about it because, I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm sure everyone we'll here into has, it. Heard about to, has pretty much heard about it. But, man, we did not – there's a lot we didn't cover since the last time we talked about Tyson Berry. Yeah, it's been a week. It's been a full week. Our last episode yeah. was one week from today. So we have a lot to really talk about since the last time we talked about Tyson yeah. Berry. So we'll get into that. Also, to round out episode 212, we will discuss who is next up. Who's next man up for the Preds in the prospect pool? We've seen Mark Jankowski. He has since gone back down, even though that dude played really hard in the two games he got. Spencer Statsny, he's been called back down. But not because of his performance, but just because there's not enough room, right? Mark Delgaizo, we got... got Plenty of players who are capable. There's players who haven't made their NHL debut yet this year. We're going to get into that. That's going to round out episode 212. So as you see, we have a full slate scheduled for you tonight on Catfish and Ice episode 212. Also, a quick preview. Have a really amazing guest who is going to really solidify everything for us. It's going to be on our YouTube channel exclusively and will be also included in our next episode. So that really gives you a reason to subscribe to our YouTube channel because you can watch it early before the next episode gets put on the podcast platforms. But Greg Amundsen, who does hockey models and projections, his analytics and his projections are so amazing. He projects outstandings, stats, analytics, all that stuff. So I've been following this guy for a long time. He really deserves so many more followers. I feel like he's a hidden treasure in hockey Twitter. So we're gonna we're gonna try to get him some more followers, but really we're so excited. He's gonna be joining me tomorrow. I will post that on our YouTube channel. So again, if you're not subscribed to the Catfish and Ice YouTube channel yet, you need to because I post stuff on there before it goes out on our podcast airwaves. So stay tuned for that. But until then, let's get into it. We'll tell you about our DraftKings, our sponsor, later in this episode. So let's get into it. Post-game reaction. 
Preds and Canadians. Let's give the floor to Max. Man, how did this game open for you, and then how did it unfold? Give me the timeline of events here. I thought we started out well. I thought the pace was good. I thought we were playing fast. Um, you know, we were able to get a power play goal at the beginning, which was good. We were able to ramp up the pressure kind of as the first period was ending and as the second period was starting. We came into the second period, and we were out. We actually outshot them by a lot to begin the period, and we got another goal to go along with that. And by that time, it was 2 nothing, and things were looking good. But as has been fairly common with this team this year, um, the 2 nothing lead has not really worked out well for us. We kind of, I guess I would say, sat back a little bit. Um, I don't think there's really a need to deny it at that point. You know, we, definitely, um, we definitely were playing a little worse after that. Um, it, the, the Canadians got a goal towards the end of the second period, which it felt like the whole way it was coming with them getting pressure The um, um, as the second period was ending. felt like the Preds were on the ropes that whole time. And it very much felt that way for honestly most of the third period, except for the very end when that, and without two without two or three minutes left, that's when it felt like the Preds actually kind of clamped down. Then at that point, we actually got a little bit of sustained pressure, which hadn't happened in the third period previously. So I guess it was good that we we kind of saved our best for last in that in that 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 time. Um, you know, I, if I were to look back at you know things this game that were like true pluses, um, I I definitely would say we won the special teams battle. Um, Power play, we got that goal. Um, penalty kill was perfect, and that especially. Can we talk yeah, about how much we'll, penalty kill has been recently? That's what I wanted to get into. Yeah, that, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that. that yeah, I mean yeah. that. We can start talking about the analysis, I guess, because that was uh, that the penalty kill tonight, and even last night in Toronto. Like last night in the game in Toronto, nothing really looked good for us <laughs> except for the penalty kill, which only did, which only. I think we had. I, I want to say. Four or five penalty kills, and we only allowed one goal, which is hard to do against the Maple Leafs. But tonight, it was perfect. Well, so and the Canadians go 0 for 5. We had a lot of penalties then, too. Yeah, so the Canadians go 0 for 5 in this uh, in this game on the power play. That's I don't care who you're up against. To kill 5 for 5 penalties in a game is crazy. There yep. was a point in the game where it was just a circus. One penalty after the other. Both teams yep. getting called. That that high sticking on Forsberg was complete BS. I mean, yeah, I mean, it looked I like know. the. I thought, he, I thought he lost control a little bit. I thought I maybe thought a little bit, but the guy flails his the guy flails his head up like he just got like you would have thought Forsberg took a sledgehammer to his face the way this guy throws his head up, and we don't need that in hockey. We no, see we it plenty in NBA. You see it plenty in soccer. We don't Even need to football. see that garbage. If, you see, if, it, you if, see it a little bit in all sports, honestly, and we and it doesn't need to be. Yeah, but I mean, a lot more than others. But still, we don't want to see that. I think Forsberg was definitely arguing for embellishment, if anything else, because yeah, I, get, I, I definitely he was not happy after that call. Yeah, but either way, I don't want to dwell on that too much. But there were a lot of penalties being called in a short amount of time. A lot yep. of special teams, some four on four action and whatnot. But um. What I will say, let's go back to the penalty kills. So the Predators yep. go five for five in this game, and they also score on one of their own power plays. Yep. So, again, the Predators are starting to turn the power play into a strength, which is huge for this team. And one of the things I saw early in the game, you didn't see it later, but definitely early in the game, one of the things I pinpointed was the Predators were showing that they are a counterattack team. They live and die by the counterattack. Sometimes it comes back and burns them, but they live dangerously. 
when they find a loose puck, they're going to rush right up the ice. They're not going to waste their time. They're not going to take it safe. They're not going to do these times where they sit behind the net and they wait for that breakout pass that usually ends in icing. No, they're going to rush up the ice. They're going to try to make some really pinpoint passes. And sometimes those passes don't work out and then you're getting burnt down the other end of the ice. That's the live and die situation under the Andrew Burnett system. I hope everyone's buckled in and they're ready for that. And we saw it tonight, but as the game went on, the I thought the Canadians beat the Predators at their own game. Canadians yeah, did the same they, thing. They, 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 the, the Canadians were, um, and I and I tweet about this too, the Canadians, especially during that second period, they were getting several opportunities that felt like with either breakaways, odd men rushes, or just close calls in general. And we we def, we definitely were we were struggling we were struggling like you said yeah we were struggling to contain their counter attacks at it near luckily mm-hmm. it didn't bite us like maybe it should have but we definitely were struggling there with that for a bit. Well, the reason why it didn't bite us was because of the man UC Soros. We called Juice. Yeah, UC Soros. And again, Max Greenberg called it two episodes ago. He said, oh, yeah. "Let's not worry about UC Soros. Oh, yeah. Let's just calm it down. Let's pump the brakes." Um, UC Soros, again, we're talking about it again. We said it last, last episode, we said, is this his best start? Arguably his best start of the season. Well, now we have to argue it again. Is this his best start of the season, Max? I don't even know about that because Thursday night might've been against the lightning, the five, one win. Yeah. I can't remember. Like I can't remember exactly how many saves it was, but it was, it was stringing together a lot of really good starts. It was again, one of those signature, like, Lots of save games that we're known that we're used to him having. You're right. He's he. I mean, he is stringing together multiple good starts. We saw Kevin Lankinen go up against the Maple Leafs, and I mean, he went up against a really good team, and and you know, uh, not his best game, but also against a really tough team. Some other things happened, but when it comes to just UC Soros's starts recently, he's winning every start almost recently. Yeah, and he's holding teams to two goals or less, so he is starting to get hot. Yep. And what have we said for weeks and weeks now? If the Predators continue to show some offense, and and they didn't have their their offense didn't really show up tonight, they couldn't really find some good opportunities like you would like to see. Only eleven high danger chances in this game, which is pretty low for them, but. If they can have that one-two combination, that one-two punch of Soros delivering and holding down the fort, but then you've also got that other end of the spectrum where this offense can erupt, you're going to have a lot of nights where one of those two is going to come up big. Whether it's Soros or whether it's the offense, one of those two you can count on to step up. If they both step up on the same night, well, you might be in cruise control and you might win easy. But if, as long as you can count on one of those two to step up for you on any given night, you're going to win a lot of games. You are. So that, that's what that you happened, saw tonight. And that, I think that happened on what you just said happened on Thursday against Tampa where the offense was lighting up, lighting up and Soros was stopping everything in his path. And you saw we won 5-1. Yeah, and that was a frustrating night for the Tampa Lightning if we want to go back oh, yeah. to that game because – I did watch that game from start to finish, and I mean, 
Let's just start with the fact that the Predators figured out a way to shut down Nikita Kucherov, the leading point yep. scorer of the NHL. I mean, you saw the one the one sequence where you know Kucherov likes to park in that zone, kind of the Alex Ovechkin zone, if you will, oh, and yeah. he just has that lethal shot. All you got to do is put the puck on his tape, and he's going to beat a lot of goaltenders. Most goaltenders. Steven Stamkos. Stamkos also can shoot like crazy. Yes, and they have a are... they have a one two punch on either side on their power play. Yeah, and they go to either side. Soros shut them down. Yeah, yeah, and so if we're just talking about Soros's last starts because he didn't start against the Maple Leafs, Soros is getting hot. He's getting yeah. hot right now. He puts Absolutely. up thirty seven saves tonight against the Canadians, a point nine seven four save percentage. Um, that one play where he was laying flat on his back like he's sunbathing <laughs> in the Florida sun. The yeah. only difference between UC Soros and me is UC Soros is laying on ice and he's stopping 90-mile-per-hour pucks. That's the only difference. Other than that, me and Soros are the same people on that play. That's the only difference. And somehow Soros is getting the job done doing that. I mean, he's he's he's, yeah, he's keeping he out of the net. He is. So a big game tonight. So the Predators win on a back end of a back-to-back. It wasn't necessarily what you would call pretty, but you get the two points. Soros carries you over the finish line. I started tweeting that out in the early moments of the third period. I said, Soros is going to have to drag us across the finish line. Yep, I remember that. And, and lo and behold, he did. He, he, he did it. Standing... So. Standings update for you after this win. Preds are now 15, 13, and 0. Still have not taken an overtime loss this year. They're at 30 points. Fourth place now, all alone in fourth place in the Central Division. They passed the Arizona Coyotes. They're ahead of the Blues, the Wild, and the Blackhawks. Two points behind the Winnipeg Jets. Three points behind the suddenly struggling Dallas Stars. Have you noticed that, Max? The Stars have taken some I saw they lost lately. badly yesterday. They, I, I actually watched yes. that game. They they lost 6-1 to to Vegas. They got dominated. Yeah. So they're three points behind Dallas, and they're four points behind first place Colorado. We won't get too caught up in the standings. We're not going to get too caught up in the standings and how many points behind first place because there's a lot of games left, so – we won't get caught up in that. All we will say is the Preds are right there in the middle of it. And I will let's also be honest. point out that we've, we've played more games. We have 28 games played. Colorado is 27, Dallas 26, and Winnipeg 25. So we they definitely have games in hand on us. So it's so it's a little bit want to. again, we're not going to get well, too caught up. And that's why I want to say we don't want to get too caught up in the standings right, right now because there's, a, there's just too much out there. All I'm trying to say is – the Predators are right in the thick of things. They, they're they figuring things out. I don't even think we've come close to seeing the full potential of this Predators team. I think the best is yet to come. I agree. Um, even after a lot of wins, I think Andrew Burnett's going back to, the, back to the lab. He's going back to the locker room, and he's thinking, we left a lot out there. There's things we could have done better. You know what's the sign of a team that's getting better and better? A team that can win even when they didn't play their best hockey. I think that's tonight. Absolutely, yeah. No, this wasn't one of those games where you'd look at and be like, yeah, the Predators absolutely deserve to win that game. It definitely was not one of those games. But again, you know, it's just games like that where they're gutsy victories. And whether or not it's ideal, 
as coaches are going to be proud of those games that you find a way and grind them, grind them out no matter no matter what. Because Preds still had to stand tall, especially in the final two minutes where, like I say, they kind of clamped down. They got some pressure themselves. And they were certainly under pressure themselves because Canadians had the goaltender pool, but they didn't allow any huge opportunities in the dying minutes. And also, let's let's talk about Colton Sissons here for a second. He scores both oh, yeah. Preds goals. He's up to nine goals on the season. Um, so he's third on the team right now in goals. Colt Sissons is who, who would have predicted that going into this season? I wouldn't have. And I'm a big Colt Sissons stand. Oh, yeah. Like I am, I loved seeing all these people suddenly love Colton Sissons. And I'm not saying that I'm the only one that's ever loved Colton Sissons in this fan base. What I'm saying is I'm seeing way, way more and more people come out and say, oh my gosh, I've always loved Colton Sissons. He's amazing. He's so important to this team. And I don't remember all those people being in the corner of Colton Sissons when that expansion draft happened with the Seattle Kraken, and he was one of the players that I for sure as hell did not want to see left unprotected because Colton Sissons has been doing these things for all these years. Since the since the Stanley Cup run, he is always. I remember been that was your prediction. They were going to lose. The only difference between Colton Sissons this season and previous seasons is he's getting better puck luck offensively. He's actually scoring some goals, and I think some of that is the product of playing in an Andrew Burnett system. But I also think he's just getting better analytics, and he's getting he's getting more expected goals. He's in the right areas. You see, the one of the goals he scored tonight was just you saw him forecheck, which is what he's always done. He's always been a hard forechecker. He gets in there, he wins a puck battle, he gets the puck back to Philip Forsberg, and then guess what Colton Sissons does? He does what a wise and smart veteran does. He moves himself to the front of the net. And he positions himself, knowing what Forsberg's about to do, which is rip a wrister to the net. And that's not a lucky bounce goal. That is not a fortunate, oh, you're just in the right place at the right time. No. Sissons knew what he was doing. He put himself in position. And he got his stick in a right place to deflect a goal past Jake Allen for a goal off a wrister from Philip Forsberg. That is what Colt Sissons is doing this season. He's, he's getting the pucks into the net this year, which he hasn't necessarily done in the past, but he's still doing all the intangibles that he's always done. Oh, We're just seeing it now. We're yeah. seeing it all on display now. And, you know, even on the second goal that the Preds scored, he was Johnny on the spot. And again, in a situation where Dante Fabro had the puck at the blue line, he knew he was about to put a slap shot on goal. And, Moves to the front of that goal, anticipating that a rebound might be there, and there, right, right there, it was for him to put it in. And even when he was not scoring a goal, um, it, it was in the um, um, early in the game where I believe it was the first power play for the Canadians in that game. And I don't, I don't remember if it was right off the face off or a few seconds later, but he springs a, he gets a steal, springs transition, almost gets a shorthanded goal alongside Cole Smith, who. We're going to talk about later because it's part of. I think it's going to be part of my um, um, stats article. But but I'm, it's just like even the goal, even when he's not scoring goals, he's making plays and made a critical play there because the Canadians were forced on that sequence to take a penalty of their own, and that erased 
at least at the time temporarily, that erased the power play for the Canadians. He's doing, like I say, like you say, Chad, all the important things in the important times. And it's more than just getting lucky and just being at the right place at the right time. He's putting himself himself in those situations. And, you know, after a while, like you say, it's there's no, it's not a fluke. It's a trend. And it's a definitely a trend with Colton Sissons being Johnny on the spot and putting himself in situations to get those quote-unquote lucky bounces. For sure. So you look at this game tonight. You look at this game. Not, not a lot of offense. There's, it was one of those games where you really could not lean on the offense. And so we're going to dive more deep into the analytics of the entire season so far. But look at this game as we're talking about Colton Sissons. He leads the Predators in expected goals right at one expected goal. He ends up scoring two, but he three shots on goal, leads the team in that category by a long shot over 19 minutes of time on ice which is really high for him, for a forward, really high. You you see your normal leaders in this department for the Predators way down there. They had an off night. Ryan O'Reilly, nowhere to be found. Roman Yossi, nowhere to be found. Tommy Novak, nowhere to be found when it comes to expected goals and offense. They had an off night. Luke Evangelista, Nowhere to be found. Philip Tomasino, Gus Nyquist, all of them. Philip Forsberg, even further down. None of these guys were able to manufacture any offense tonight. And on a night that UC Soros had to drag us across the finish line, let's give some love to Colton Sissons for scoring those two goals. Because guess what? You can have the best goaltender in the world. You still got to score. Yep. Sisson scores twice. He leads the team in expected goals. I'm telling you, Sissons is really having the eye of the tiger type of year, career year for himself. And it's not just points. It's not just scoring goals. He has nine on the year. If you want to look at his career high in goals for a season when it comes to Colton Sissons, he had 15 goals. In 2018-19, that's his career high. Which, the way he's playing right now, he has a really good chance to be a 20-plus goal scorer. He really does. We'll yeah. see. He could go through a drought. Colton Sissons is the type of player where he could definitely go through a drought and he doesn't yeah. score some goals He's because he's just that type of physical player. But right now, he's got nine goals after tonight. Other than that 15-goal year, He's only got one other year in his uh, 10-year NHL career that he scored double-digit goals, and that was this previous year, this last year. So he's a 30-year-old player. He's starting to go after his peak of his normal, of what we would say most players in their NHL careers. He's he's coming up over his peak. But the, what we're seeing from Colton Sissons is a rebirth of his career right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, definitely, you know, I think the system is definitely better for him to be more offensively productive. But same time, you know, Colton Sissons is the definition of consistent. And so I definitely think, you know, while it's some system, it's definitely also him just being being good in his own right. Let's look at this as well. He's already, so after tonight, he adds three shots on goal. So he's, 49 shots on goal for the season. Last year, he only, he only had 87 shots on goal. 
So he's in an 82 game season. Colton Sisson's played in all 82 games last year, put up 87 shots. He's already up to almost 50 shots on goal this year. So he's getting more shots on goal. I think under Andrew Burnett, we're starting to see that Colton Sissons has a lot more to give offensively than maybe we realize under a John Hines system. Yeah. So that's something I think that's we're really starting to figure out as well. So you're seeing the two-way game of Colton Sissons, and it's awesome to watch because he is a lifelong predator. He is an underrated lifelong predator. And he's signed to a bargain deal if anyone – realizes that and really everyone at the time was mad at that it's a it was a seven-year contract everyone was mad at the contract at the time but he's been worth every penny there's mike twitter um longtime listener of the show he says remember during the expansion draft i think me and chad agreed sissons and cal yarncroke were interchangeable players i'd say we protected the right guy we i don't even think we did actually I don't, there's no way. Well, Callion Croak was taken in that expansion yeah. draft by we Seattle. We five defensemen in that expansion draft. I remember. Yeah, that. we protected Fleet Myers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, which we had to because that was the day after the Ryan Ellis trade. So that would have looked. Oh, really... yeah. No, Sissons was left unprotected. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, the crack. I because think the crack. We protected Tanner Janot. That was who it is. It was. Yes. Forsberg, Luke Cunning, if that's which is even crazy looking back yes. in hindsight, and then Tanner Janot. Yes, Sissons was left unprotected. Mm -hmm. Both. And I think the Kraken would love to go back and change their change their choice on that one for real. Maybe even would have. Maybe they would have even taken Matthew Shane for all we know. Ryan Johansson was left unprotected. Yep. We don't yep. want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Yeah, no, that that was. We'll it's save that for another episode. That, then. There's so much that's that, changed. That, that unprotected list by the Predators as it pertains to the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, good luck wrapping your head around that one. Looking back on it, yeah. I mean, you see Ryan Johansson doing some pretty good things for the Avalanche. You see Matt Duchesne with the Dallas Stars right now. I mean, that unprotected list by the Preds, yeah, that's, that's just insanity it's really near criminal is. if you if you just think on the surface but definitely sure. yeah, it just show it again it just shows how much things change over time definitely all right so big win that's our reaction preds canadians preds win two to one 15 and 13 on the season fourth place all alone in the central division um one thing I've always said is you're gonna you're not gonna win every game. You're gonna lose nice. some tough ones. You're gonna have games where you just didn't really show up. Things don't go your way. That's kind of how the Maple Leafs game went. I didn't feel good about that game going in to begin with. They lose four nothing. But guess what they do? They don't let that snowball. They turn around. They get a gutsy win. They didn't play their best hockey, but it's a team win. It's a team effort. They got in there. They blocked some shots. Soros had a outstanding performance stole a game for us um definitely and you get a win and you're going on to the next one now so you got philly up next a lot you're going up against a lot of teams you don't know a lot about it's hard to scout some of these teams you're playing up going up against right now but you win the game you get it done so with that let's move along here episode 212 of 
Catfish and Ice with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg, your host. Fun way to open the episode just now. Going to tell you about DraftKings here in a little bit. Um, I'm sipping on some red wine tonight. That's how. That's how like how much I have to calm down right now, Max. After Dang. after that game, and we're yeah, also going to get some. We're going to get into some Titans talk here later, Max. Yeah, and I know you're yeah. going to the game tomorrow night. No, it's Dolphins. on the road. I'm, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not at home. It's on the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not making the trip down to Miami. Oh my gosh, yeah, what's wrong, man? With you? I, I don't even. It's going to be so bad. But we'll get. We'll talk about that later. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But um, going to tell you about DraftKings. We still have an amazing offer going for you right now with DraftKings and our NHL offer. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. And let's give you some, some looks at, at Monday night's action in the NHL. Going to pull it up right now for you. DraftKings is Catfish on Ice's OG sponsor. And let's look at what we got tomorrow for you. This Monday, if you're downloading the podcast on this Monday morning, Thank you so much for listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Give us a rating. Give us a comment. Tell us how you like the podcast. Also, hit YouTube. You can watch our live episodes as well. So Monday, December 11th, we got the Arizona Coyotes at the Buffalo Sabres. Coyotes are the slight underdogs on the road at Buffalo. Me personally, I'm a big believer in the Coyotes. We'll see what happens there. Maple Leafs at the Islanders. We got the Red Wings at the Dallas Stars. That could be a fun game. That's a good game. That, that could be a, that, that's that, a fun, especially since the Red Wings just added Patrick Kane. That gives them a boost. Yes. Although they you've just lost Will Larkin last night, so hopefully he's okay because that looked ugly. You've got a four-game slate for you on this Monday. Red Wings at the Stars. That's the game I got circled. And right now, you got the Dallas Stars as heavy favorites, according mm-hmm. to DraftKings. So take that for what you will. Yep. I don't know if I'd be heavy favorites on the Stars, but that's what DraftKings has for you. Um, and then you've also got the Flames at the Avalanche to round out your four game Monday slate in the NHL. And DraftKings has. The Avalanche as the home favorites, yep. as you would expect. So, what whatever you're doing there, plenty. You got four good games to bet with our DraftKings sportsbook promo right now with promo code THPN. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly and bonus bets for betting just five dollars on hockey. That's code. THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 
on behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. All right. Go do that. Have fun with the app as we get into the nitty-gritty of this NHL season. All right, we're about to do a deep dive into the analytics. Let's get into it, Max. Yep. My first one, and I, I gotta I'm gonna pull it up right now. We're using I use Money Puck, but there's a lot of good ones out there. Money Puck, I think, is the most user-friendly one out there. Let's see if it, it let's see, it's probably let's see if it's updated after tonight's games. It doesn't look like it has been. So we will do this in terms of going into the game against the Canadians tonight. That's yep. how we'll do it. And my my one when I want to really track how the Preds offense is is going so far this year and how to really see on paper the evolution of an Andrew Burnett system. I look at expected goals for. Yep. It really rates what what kind of offense are you generating? And yep. we saw this right from the start of the season when the Preds yep. weren't getting rewarded with goals. They were doing well in this area, and they still are doing well. So, coming out of that 4-0 loss to the Maple Leafs, the Preds were still sixth in the NHL in expected goals for, yep. according to Money Puck, at 92.89. The only teams ahead of them, Vancouver, Vegas, Florida, Tampa, and Colorado. Those are all playoff contenders, I would say. Very fair to say. I would say that tonight they might drop a little bit in that category. Even though they got the win, they could fall back a little bit because didn't have a great game in that category. But Max, let me ask you, are you what do you see out of that? The fact that the Predators are top 10 in expected goals for, is that really one of the key factors to show that Andrew Burnett's system is working? I think so, absolutely. Because, you know, like you say, you know, that's more so than just just scoring the goals, just all that. You look at, you know, that's that's that right there is a reflection of, you know, how your offense is generated right there. And, you know, going into the season, we said, you know, one of the main one of the main changes we're going to see under Andrew Brunette's system is this team is going to become a lot more offensively inclined. You can even see by the eye test too, just the um the passing, especially on the power play. It's night and day from what it used to be under John Hines. And I even say it's ahead of you know what the stuff Peter Laviolette used to run too. You know, it's you know that we're getting chances all over, and you know, and and. Not all the time we're getting rewarded, but that's a lot to do with, you know, an experience and just a pretty much a brand new team um, playing and just kind of working out the kinks, if you will. So I absolutely think this is reflective of and what we want to see with with Andrew Brunette's system, because if you look last year, just just, just from last year and you it's literally one season change. We were number 15 
in this category last year. And now that we've we've already jumped um, nine spots, it was because this year we're number six. So like already, just yeah. the fact that it's happened, not only has the change happened, the fact that it's happened this early says a lot about where this team is going. And can I, you, you mind if I kind of tie that into the next stat I was going to put out there? The Absolutely, yeah, tie it yeah. in, man. Take us so, to it. More so than, you know, just because we, we I would say, you know, everyone expected, not maybe not expected, but we all wanted the offense to, you know, get better. And, and we, again, I, and we did expect it. You know, there's no, we don't just sugarcoat. We expected it to get better. We just didn't necessarily know when it was going to be. But you want to get, getting into maybe something else that's more reflective of Andrew Brunette's system that is such a difference from John Hines is expected goals against. This year, we're number 15 in expected goals against right now. Last year, yeah. under John Hines, we were number 28. And that just shows, and it was kind of what I was talking about, I believe, an episode or two ago, where I'm saying, like, it's not just offense where Andrew Brunette is trying to improve. It's the whole 200-foot game. And a lot of what that 200-foot yep. game is, is playing fast, going from all over the ice in all the time, mm -hmm. being just being relentless skaters. Because we saw last year under John Hines, we were so focused on just being physical all the time, just laying the body in all situations. And but not that was like the main thing got redundant. And that's why we struggle against teams that you know had a lot of speed because either because they would outskate us either offensively in transition on counterattacks, or they would um, be able to outskate us just trying to do the dump and chase all the time. And but now that the Preds are playing more of a system that favors really fast skating, you're seeing that the expected goals also is getting a lot better in a short period of time as well. So it, you can see not just on offense where Andrew Brunette's system is paying dividends, but on defense too. Just the whole 200 foot game has has been such so improved under Andrew Brunette, and it just shows coaching matters. Because it's virtually well, what the same I, well, we had out there last year. Well, yeah, I a lot of good stuff you just said there, Max, and I totally agree. But what I see is you're seeing players match their skill set by the coaching style. So, mm -hmm. and I think that's why Barry Trotz ultimately made the coaching change this past offseason because he saw the skill set available on the roster. He went out and made moves necessarily necessary to match the head coach he wanted in Andrew Burnett, and he put yep. the puzzle pieces together, right? And so he already knew what he had coming in. He saw Luke Evangelista. He saw Philip Tomasino. He saw Yuso Parsonen. He saw these players out there, and then he saw a head coach that he thought could coach a style that would match those players. But then he also saw the potential – and the players he already knew that have been here for a while, like Philip Forsberg. I mean, we ha still have to wait and see. Philip Forsberg doesn't score a goal tonight, but he was still very much active in the offensive zone. He does yep. have, um, we'll see. He had two. He had an assist tonight. Yossi gets two yep. assists tonight. Um, even when Forsberg doesn't score, he is still completely involved in the offense. Oh, yeah. And this was an off game for the Preds offense overall. Sure. And those games are going to happen. It's hockey. Every game is not going to be a four or five goal barrage. 
You know, sometimes you have to win games ugly. But more times than not, if the Preds keep doing the things that they're showing in these analytics we're looking at, including expected goals for, if the Preds keep doing the things they're doing that are leading to this number, they're going to win most of their games not like they won the game tonight against the Canadians. This was an outlier. And that's going to happen because hockey is a weird sport. It's not like any other sport. You're going to have to sometimes win games in a style that maybe you don't prefer to win in that way. And you got to adjust. And that's why you love players like Cole Smith and Michael McCarron and Colton Sissons. Let's go back to him, his two-way game. We know Cole Smith or Colton Sissons can go out there and lay the body. So you need players who can have that two-way ability. Ryan O'Reilly has that two-way ability. I want to give a lot of shout-out and credit, as we always do, to Preds Bally, who gets a lot of flack from a lot of fans for some of some things. But I always am going to give credit during their broadcast when they do a great job at portraying the game as it's happening. And they did a really great job tonight. Chris Mason and the crew, Willie Donick, all of them, they did a great job late in this game when I was having heart palpitations and I was about to lose it. They did a great job sh- showcasing Philip Forsberg, not the goal scorer, but the takeaway artist. Yep. Philip Forsberg, did you see the play I'm talking about, Max? You know what I'm talking about? I don't, I, I don't know if I remember the exact play, but I do remember, and I think we're getting to it later because I kind of mentioned this in my stats article. He Forsberg has been kind of a takeaway machine this year. And not yeah. like and not like so a he, player who was leading at the top of the list, but like he's been taking fucks away. And I do remember a player or two tonight that he had a sneaky good takeaway. He's been yeah. He's so been it one. came late. It came it came very late in the third period or in that part po- portion yep. of the third period where yep. the Preds were just chasing the puck and they were just. It was one of those situations where, as a fan, you're just looking at that clock and you're just waiting. You're just it's ticking like it's in quicksand. You're like, this game's never going to end. You're just worried that eventually the Canadians are going to break through. Uh, they're going to beat Soros eventually. You were just, but Soros with a really crafty takeaway strips the puck as the Canadians skater is trying to get out of the zone and spring a breakaway or spring a offensive rush. And Forsberg comes in and just does a crafty little veteran move and, and steals the puck. It's little things like that that um, also happens in Andrew Burnett's system. They're a very aggressive team on the puck. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, and, and it's, it's making a huge difference right now. So this was a game where the Predators had to win a game in the style that maybe isn't that they're in their wheelhouse. It's not the way they want to win a lot of games. But they adjusted, and they said, I think they made a decision definitely in the last, I would say in the last five minutes or so of that third period, I saw the Predators shift the way they were playing. I don't want to say that they went into what you would call football analogy prevent defense. I don't think they did that, but they definitely shifted the way they played this game to a point where they knew they had to tighten up defensively. They had to be better with their puck management. I don't think they took as many chances as they would like offensively because they knew. They had to push this across the finish line. They had to 
forced the Canadians to go 200 feet, as you said, Max. And that I think they just collectively thought, we're going to drag this across the finish line here. We've got five or four minutes or whatever it is to just play hard-nosed hockey and drag this across the finish line. Yeah, and then, you know, like I said, in that final few minutes was when they actually clamped down and actually started getting some pressure and preventing the preventing too many chances on Soros either. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the Preds absolutely did what they had to do to get that done. And I also, I like how you pointed out, you know, the Preds are still aggressive in the system because, you know, for all the talk about Andrew Brunette having a more flashy offensive system, it's not like we're seeing just the physicality just vanish at all. And I also, that's part of what I appreciate about Andrew Brunette because he's been open, especially with things like the power play and the team in general saying, hey guys, I'm learning what fits this team, what doesn't. And part of what still fits this team is physical play. Because you still got guys, you still got hard hitting guys like Jeremy Lozon, Cole Smith, um, Yakov Trenin, you know, Col- Colton Sissons is physical. You still got guys who it's, are going to. Yeah. It's not a finesse guys- team. Just just because they went to an Andrew Burnett system and they're flashier offensively doesn't mean they're a finesse team. They mm. still have plenty of guys that can lay the body out there. Yeah. And they're still doing it. And they're, it's about, and like, you know, like, Everyone, like it said in life, it's all about finding a balance. And these mm-hmm. Preds are starting to find that balance yep. between yep. being physical, but also being more flashy. And it's and it's great to see that the results are starting to pay off. And again, we don't we don't know exactly how this team's gonna fare for the rest of the year because they've been a little too far on either, you know, winning or losing to truly get a mm-hmm. full idea on what the team is actually gonna be like. But lately you're seeing there it's the system's paying dividends but other than but really i mean i don't there's only there's a very small handful of teams in this league that can really say we know exactly who we are right now you could say vegas is one of them you could say boston i would argue maybe boston maybe colorado i would say l i would say la which is a team about to bring up in my next analytical category la is just on fire right now uh in a good way but for the most part, a large chunk of this league is stuck in that middle middle ground where they don't know exactly where they're going. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, that's a large majority of the NHL, and the Predators are right there in the middle of it. And then you have that small bottom tier of teams that don't have a hope in the world, and they're not going anywhere. Right. And But for the most part, your vast majority is in that middle, and the Predators are obviously in that mid-tier and they're trying to figure out my next one is goal differential which is big for me it really gives you a sign of how much is a team dominating are they sneaking by with one goal wins are they living on a prayer type of scenario this one is not as strong in the favor of the predators as you would think maybe they are living on a prayer a little bit they're not they're not blowing out teams by any means uh According to Money Puck, the Predators, they're a minus one, which yep. kind of indicates their overall record. They're 15 and 13. So yep. that kind of makes sense. The Predators are a minus one goal differential. The league leader, you want to take a guess, Max? Unless you already looked at it. Take a I guess. Can see it. Who it's is LA. the league leader in goal LA difference? 37. Oh, you got it already? Yes, the LA yeah. Kings. Yeah. LA Kings are a plus <laughs> 37 in goal differential. Yeah. Number two is Vancouver. Number three is Vegas. Number four is Boston. And number five is Detroit. That's pretty surprising to see Detroit. They're the yeah, next up and coming young team. 
big jump. So if you look at it, I would say then the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Red Wings are kind of your young and up and coming, exciting team. And then in the Western yep. Conference, it's the LA Kings. You know who oh, have yeah. went through the rebuild? They went through it. And they've been yeah. coming for a while. So um, Kevin Fiala and that and that crew right there, Quentin Byfield. I mean, the LA Kings are for real. They're coming. Oh, yeah. So for the Preds, though, what do you get out of that? That kind of gives us the idea that the Preds are they're a middle of the road team when you see that goal differential. And I do think, and I guess I would love to because I've definitely that's definitely impacted though from a lot of the beginning of the year was when Soros was playing you know, a lot worse and the penalty kill was also a lot worse. So definitely things are a little different then or now than they were then, and I'm sure you know that stat is probably skewed a bit by you know those things happening beginning of the year when obviously especially november beginning of november was nowhere near as good as you know as the team is now but you know i definitely would agree that you know overall just it, it was it's pretty indicative of the team's record right now but i will say you know i do think that's a that's a metric where i think the preds are going to improve especially if they keep playing the way they are now yeah yeah i think it will as well but yeah. As far as right now, do you have a get, give us another one, Max, that you had that really stood out to you analytically speaking? Honestly, I must admit the expected goals for and expected goals against was the one I was really going to. Um, the, the we I haven't really gotten into the expected goals against, so say, leading say it again? the league in that. To, yeah, expected oh, goals the against expected leading goals the, against. Leading the league uh, in that department is definitely the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, that. Yeah, they are. I didn't. I would did not expect that. I will say, LA is number two, so that yep. gives you an idea of why they're doing so well in goal differential. Edmonton's number three. We we have to go pretty far down. The Predators are right in the middle of the pack. They're number fifteen yep. in expected goals against. So you know, not bad, not great, but not bad. That was more so to highlight, you know, just the improvement under Andrew Brunette versus John Hines. And honestly, I mean, I hate to say this but like kind of say kind of illustrate that you know for all john hines being this physical the defense system it's the defense has certainly gotten better under brunette and that's because of the 200 foot game that's being played yeah so that's the main reason i put that for stat sure. in there no i mean it's 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 it's, an, it's a very important one for sure um you look well, at shot also, totals per, go ahead i'm looking right now and you know the Preds. We said the goal differential is um, is minus one. The expected goal differential. You were did you see where the Preds are in expected goal differential in the league? I did not see it. They're number five with eleven point four nine. So does that tell you that maybe the Preds right or so far this year overall have been kind of victims of bad luck a little bit because that I mean, is yeah. way higher than. I hate to ever bump. say that though, because then it makes us look like you know, like we're True. making excuses. But I mean, the analytics don't lie, right? And and you know, it kind of backs up what we're both saying is we expect that goal that goal differential to get better as the year goes on. Another category that's kind of lends itself to the fact that UC Soros has kind of been the victim of once again having to be just perfect every game. Not a category the Preds have to get better at. And I said this tonight in this game. Even though the Predators did manage to win this game, I thought the defense was a little leaky. 
was yep. letting the Canadians beat them down the ice too often. Um, yep. That Here's the thing about the Predators. Yes, they have speed, and they can go toe-to-toe with speed-oriented teams, and that's a nice feeling to have when you're going up against these speed demons. But at the same time, the defense has definitely shown that it is victim of being susceptible to being beat down the ice. And we saw that in this game against the Canadians. And luckily, Soros was there to neutralize it. But another, so we're looking at shots on goal against lead, lead, league leaders. And this is, this is a category you don't want to be leading in. The Predators are 11th most. So they're in the top half of the league when it comes to um, most shots given up, and you don't want to be at the top of this list because let me give you some teams who aren't doing so well in the standings who are also leading this list. Shocker of the century, the San Jose Sharks lead this list with a 1,000 <laughs> shots on goal against. I'm so sorry. Yeah. They're playing better lately. I don't want to hit the low-hanging fruit here, but the Sharks do lead the league in that category. Columbus, another team that's struggling badly, yeah. um, are second most shots on goal against. The Canadians, the team we just saw, are third most on this category in this list. So uh, definitely to help your goaltender out, it's not rocket science. You don't want to just have a barrage of shots coming at your goaltender. So the pre- this is an area that the Predators could definitely tighten up in and get better at is not giving up so many shots on goal. Yeah, no, it's – and, you know, they're not terrible. You know, they are number 11, and I can see it right now, so – you definitely hope that's going to, you know, you know they're definitely going to at least regress to the mean a little more. But, you know, that's regardless, you definitely want to tighten up. And again, like you say, you know, San Jose and Columbus are not two teams you want to be stuck with for sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. Even though I do got to give credit to San Jose. They've been showing some fight lately. They're not they're not laying down. Right. They're not a pushover. And I respect yep. that. I do. I respect that a lot, actually, that. um you know, a team like San Jose who has every reason to just fold the season and just – that's why I love hockey so much. That's why I respect the hell out of hockey players so much is I can promise you every player in that San Jose locker room doesn't give a flying you-know-what about how bad they are or how they're not going anywhere. They're out there to play, and they're out there okay. to play hard. And so you look at Mikel Granlund, isn't he like – doing great things for the Sharks right now. And didn't he? I, I, I heard he scored like a he was the a star game of the week. goal or two this week. Yeah, he was the NHL star of the week if I really, saw Really, I, I didn't know he was that. Um, How about this? So we know Philip Forsberg's like leading everything, right? And we're going to yeah. get into your stats article here in a second, uh, Max. But how about this? This kind of surprised me. I knew he was having a great year, but Ryan O'Reilly is actually overtaken – the expected goals lead for the team for the Predators. He has overtaken Philip Forsberg. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, again, he's one of those guys who's playing really well, and you know, by far, you know, he and Forsberg have been the top two you know, offensive drivers on this team, and they should continue to be that since they are you know the most established players. They have the most, you know, I guess the best combination of being established, but also having a ton of offensive talent. And no surprise for anybody. Your your Preds top line of O'Reilly, Forsberg, and Nyquist leads the team in expected goals for. Yep. But I think that also kind of gives you an indication. Let's give Brunette another check in the right box in the win column. Brunette 
identified a top line and stuck with it. And I'll be the first to say I'll eat some crow here. When Gust- when Gus Nyquist got picked up this past offseason, I didn't have any fanfare over it. I was very neutral. I was very – I didn't really have a reaction. I was like, okay, another aging veteran, another guy who's going to come in and, you know, maybe he's a good locker room presence. Maybe he does a couple things here and there, but he's not going to move the needle. He's not going to do much. I felt that way. I'll be honest. And I have been proven wrong so far, at least in the first 20-plus games or so. Nyquist has been a pleasant surprise for me. And we haven't really touched on him a lot in this podcast like we should. So I do want to at least give him some credit as well for filling in that top line. And Brunette is stuck with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll eat a little crow there myself too because, you know, originally the top line to start the year was Forsberg, O'Reilly, and Yusuf Parsonen. And I'd actually written an article about them and then they got broken up like a day or two later. But I was like, what are you doing? I wanted Parsonen back on that line. And it honestly wasn't until recently where I was like, okay, you know, just really keep the Forsberg, O'Reilly, Nyquist line. But, you know, that's the one line that Brunette's really kept and they've gotten better and better each time they've been out there. Yeah. Not- I don't, I don't see Brunette going away from that anytime soon. Oh no, I, I don't, I don't think he will. Mm-mm. Nope. I think that's right, going to stay for a while. I think he's going to stay pretty much forever. Yeah. I, I don't really see that changing. I think that uh brunette really likes that top line yeah. and that's good. I yeah. mean, if you oh, can yeah. identify a top line that you really like this early in the season and you can just really solidify that chemistry between those three players, those veterans who have been there, done that they're battle tested. They know what it feels like to go to go through adversity. Um, I know that all the fans out there want to see the young players thrive and they want to see, you know, I get that, but you got to pump the brakes sometimes because these yeah. these younger players like Parsonen, like Evangelista, like Tomasino, they're going to be around for a long time. Oh, yeah. They're not going anywhere. They're they're here for the future. But right now, you need these veterans like Nyquist and O'Reilly to lead the way a little bit, to show these guys how to win in the NHL consistently, and. I think that's what Brunette's doing right now. He's trying to walk that fine line of let the young kids grow, let them flourish, but also don't put them in a situation to fail. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why, you know, for not Forsberg, um, O'Reilly and Nyquist were signed because, you know, while we want to, um, you know, give the young guys a better chance than they had under John Hines, you don't just want to. You you also don't get to the point where you're just you know throwing them to the wolves. You know they're they're gonna be they're gonna go through rough patches of you know inconsistency and inconsistency and just and I've said this before. Just because guys like Evangelista and others started out super well last year when they played came in like February or whenever doesn't mean that they're just gonna you know be great players forever. You know they're only they're only they're only twenty one or so years old. You know they don't. They have virtually no experience in the NHL. So, no, definitely understand, you know, why Andrew Brunette wants guys like O'Reilly and Nyquist in the lineup to at least, you know, if nothing else, be stopgaps while these younger guys develop, you know, because, you know, it doesn't, it's not just going to happen overnight. And 
so far they and you know so far that O'Reilly and Nyquist have been good additions to this team and and they and they fit you know what this team is and the style of play that um, Andrew Burnett wants the Preds to play with. Definitely. All right, let's get into Max Max Greenberg's latest article for Predlines.com. Go yep. check it out now. Wanted to give everyone an update. This was going into the t- game tonight against the Canadians, yep. so it it's a little, a little different now. But we it still holds true, and we're still going to look at some of these uh, statistical leaders. So, Max, how about you take us through the first one, which I have pulled up right here, which is goals and assists, you know, the most obvious one, yep. which is – Philip Forsberg. Yep. Um, I don't think any of us is necessarily surprised no. by that necessarily, but I think I can say, and I want to see your thoughts on this. I can be a little surprised about the assist total that Forsberg has. Yeah, and, and that's I, I definitely am a little too, and that's and actually that kind of I mean, without jumping too far into the next category, a lot of Forsberg assists have come on the power play and that's that in itself is surprising to me because you know Forsberg we people he, people know him best for his shot just being you know a, a, a on the power play being a sniper there but you know he's definitely um he's been distributing the puck a little more he's had some nice dishes to his teammates and I think it's just great to see you know Forsberg while he's also beginning to score a lot of goals Great to see him assisting as well because it's showing that he's not just a one-trick pony. He can do it all offensively. I think, you know, you say, I think him in that system is part of what's allowing him to flourish so much in all areas of the offense, not just one or the other. And also, Ryan O'Reilly being there alongside him, a smart veteran who, who can bring out the best in a field forward, and that's something that we were hinting at started and that doesn't make us no dramas or anything i'm just saying that it's great to see it actually unfold the way we hoped and thought it might when right O'Reilly was signed in the offseason yeah, so o'reilly is definitely bringing out the best go forth for he is and i mean i put this out so i put this out there before the canadians game and so it's probably dropped a little bit but going into the matchup with the Canadians, Bill Forsberg was on pace to basically tie or narrowly beat Matt Duchesne's single season franchise record for goals, which is 43, and beat his own career high of 42 goals this season. He's projected right around 44. Now that dropped a little bit because he didn't score a goal against the Canadians. But the point still remains that Forsberg is on pace to have one of his best years of his career. Coming off of a concussion and having a broken up season. And we've always said if Forsberg can figure out a way to play, it doesn't even have to be an 82-game season. He might miss a game or here, two here or there. But if he can avoid that long, catastrophic injury and have a full season, you know, 79, 80 games, not 82. He's a player who should be a not just a point per game player, but start becoming one of the perennial wingers in this league. He still has plenty of time to do that. He's fine. He's only 29 years old right now. Getting up there close to the credit for the but you know, he's 
But in, in his quote-unquote prime years, he played his best hockey. And you know, we saw what he was capable of the um, 2021-22 season when that was a clear year. And, and that was only done in 69 games. So like you say, if he could just find yeah. a way to stay healthy for – Let's say let's say seventy five plus games, so seventy five games. Yeah. If he can do that, yeah, seventy five fair. Yeah. yeah, that'd be that do wonders for what he can. I want to read a. Uh, I want to read an excerpt from your article here that yep. I really liked on the Philip Forsberg. Yep. Uh, Max says writes there really is not a thing he has not done well this year. Uh, that being Forsberg, whether that be shooting, passing, skating, overall vision, you name it, Forsberg has done it all, and it truly looks like. Having an offensive-minded coach in Andrew Burnett is helping him tremendously as he is still in his quote-unquote prime years. You hit it on the nail on the yeah. head there, and in my, I mean, that's literally what we're seeing right now, and I and I and I love it. And so let's move on to the next one, Max. And yep. I'm going to let you take take control of the next one here. Um, got it pulled up here, and it looks like Ryan O'Reilly is the center of this one. Yep. Now he's tied with Philip Forsberg here. They um and this definitely um changed a little bit um since or maybe it has since the game just happened. So Forsberg might actually be I don't know exactly how things were affected after the Canadians game, but um um O'Reilly coming into tonight had seven goals and four assists for eleven points on the power play, and Forsberg coming in had two goals and nine assists. And again, like I said a bit ago, that was really surprising to me seeing him so heavily on the assist side of things when um in the power play but like i say I, I like it because you know we know he can score we know he can shoot the puck on the power play but to see that he is you know finding himself as far as being a distributor goes i guess it further shows that his game is you know is is as complete as we had hoped it was especially on the offensive side and another one i want to highlight here is um Tommy Novak, even, even with all the time he missed with the injury, he still he still has four goals on the power play, and I believe if nothing if nothing significantly changed um, with tonight's game, because I I don't think because um, I don't think Sisson's as good of a year he was having. I don't think he was um, in that um, race for no. Well, I could I could pull up the exact number, but yeah, he's not a big power play guy. No, yeah, but no still, one's going to confuse Sissons for being a big power play asset. Tommy Novak is tied with all the time he missed with that injury. He's tied for second on the team in power play goals. And it just shows, yeah. you know, his he's and he started a little slow in the games. He's come back from IR. It's to be expected a little bit, but it just shows, you know, his attributes, you know, she could, he, he can shoot the puck still. We've seen that and he can get in front and finish plays. You know, Tommy Novak has, the exact qualities you want for someone who can flourish on the power play. And so uh, you can see real quick, Max, yep. just to update you on Colton Sissons. He scored his first power play goal of the season this year. Okay. So he's still, and he also, be. no. Yep. And, and also just to give you a, just give you a little bit of an overall look at Colton Sissons on the power play. Mm-hmm. If hockey reference is correct, which I trust them, obviously. Yep. Tonight was, Colton Sissons, it was his fourth career power play goal, Max, wow. in ten years. And is that not crazy? I didn't expect that. That is not. I did not expect that. Wow. Yeah. The, if if what I'm looking at is correct, tonight was Sissons' 
fourth career power play goal. And he has played in 565 career games. And he's played a lot of this year on the top power play unit. Well, he's never been featured in a power play. He's never been injuries or whatnot. He's been a lot. He's always been a penalty killer on that top unit. That's yeah, that's I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Max, because you had this amazing, but I I had to, I had to throw that out there because I did, I'm a stat nerd. And whenever I come across something that I just did not expect to see, I I can't help myself. I have to just throw it out there. No, for the that was here. That, that's that's an, that's a really interesting stat right there. But what I was saying with you know Tommy Novak, it just you know I was getting towards the end of what I was saying. But just the fact that he's missed so many games, yet he's still near the lead for not. I wouldn't say near because he's not still not near O'Reilly seven really. But the fact that he's still even in this discussion, having missed so many games. It just shows you know, the potential he has and it shows you know what we can expect, you know, once he's able to get a few more games past this injury and really round back into form like we know him to be. Or at least again, the sample size has been small. It's been small. Yeah. I'm not denying that, but you gotta work him back into it. For him. You gotta work Tommy Novak back into it. Um, yep. just like we saw a really honest and genuine response from Andrew Burnett on why he scratched. Cody, Cody Glass yep. tonight, and yep. I again, it's another situation where fans are up in arms. They get upset over it because they love Cody Glass. But again, Andrew Burnett being very honest, being very upfront with the fan base, which I love, even oh, if yeah. you don't like it, you're not going to like every decision he makes, but he comes out and he gives a very heartfelt and genuine and fair response that says, look, Cody Glass is working his way back into it. It's on a back-to-back. Brunette is protecting his players. Yeah. He is, he doesn't want, like you just said, he doesn't want to throw them to the wolves. So I think most fans understand that, but some fans might have been upset that Cody Glass didn't play tonight, but it's not about player performance. It's about protecting the player who might not be ready to go on a back-to-back in a brutal sport called hockey, let's let it's a long season. The team has already shown that it's deep and it has plenty of players who can go out there and play in situations. Let's make sure Cody Glass comes back a hundred percent so that we have the one hundred percent Cody Glass down the stretch in the grind when we're trying to push for the playoffs in January, in February, and March. We need Cody Glass 100%. Why would you? He's already been on the injured list twice this year. Why would you throw him back out on a back to back and risk him going out for a third time? Yeah. Love, love the honesty of Brunette, of protecting his players. And even though it might not be popular, saying, hey, hey, Cody, you're going to be a healthy scratch tonight. I know you want to play, but I got to make sure you don't go back to the injured list for a third time. Yeah. Because I need you. I need you in January. I need you in February. I need you in March. Hopefully, I'm going to need you in May when we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was, he mentioned, you know, Cody was still a little sore. He wanted to get him back out there to, you know, yesterday to, you know, get the um, juices flowing a bit, but also, you know, said from right, right off the bat, said, you know, he's, had a little trouble getting traction. Didn't want to play him in a back-to-back in a situation like this, especially on the road with um with both games on the road. So there's some travel, albeit not a ton of travel, going from Toronto to Montreal. But still, 
you know, again, like you said, Brunette was very honest about it. And he's not letting these scratches become a huge theme, at least not with the players in question. You know, he's scratching some guys from time to time. But with each individual guy, it's not like it's becoming a theme with them. Yeah. Let's move along here. Let's get quick through some of these shorthanded points. Colt Sissons leads that category. Um, yep. More Colt Sissons love there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's get to the next one here real quick. Can I, can I say something quick before um, we go to the really Definitely. quick? So yeah. I, you know, in that, um, in that um, category, I highlighted Colton Sissons and Cole Smith as basically the two guys who have almost generated the most offense on the penalty kill. And, and again, yeah. tonight, like I said earlier, Colton Sissons had that one steal on the penalty. Oh, kill yeah. that, that had a two on one force the um, Canadian stick a penalty. And then later, Cole Smith, Cole Smith had another breakaway and almost scored. Like literally that, yeah. I don't want to pump my tires too much, but that right there, I said that was it good. right there and it aged so well. No, pump them. Those guys pump are those tires up, man. Right there. And they proved why. That was, I really wanted him to score so bad. I lost oh, yeah. my breath because that was, that was another moment in the game where the Preds were up against the ropes. And if they go out, if Cole Smith goes out and scores that shorty, yeah. It's game over. It was already game over, but that would have really been game over. And, and it just shows um, that, you know, people love to give uh, Cole Smith a lot of flack for it, but he plays well. That's he's why he's there. in the lineup. He, that's he, why he's, he's in the lineup. He, he deserves it. I think I think that's cooled off. You don't hear nearly as much Cole no, Smith. I, don't those, think people, I think people realize at this point he's earned it. No. That, I think the Cole Smith haters have gone into hiding, at least for now. Yeah. Now they might still come back out in full force as soon as this team starts losing, and as soon as Cole Smith has a bad game or two, those Cole Smith haters will come back out. But I'm telling you, as of now, they've gone into hiding. They're quiet. Oh yeah, and, they're you know, really they, quiet. They can see, you know, he's played well under a second. Like even they see another head coach is playing him, and he's played well. So there's not really much you can say anymore. I mean, Cole Smith has earned it. Uh. Going through your stat leaders again, offensive point shares. Philip Forsberg leads that. Um, you mentioned here uh, it's an estimate of the number of points contributed by a player due to his offense. Yeah. And Forsberg leads this category. Um, so that's a good one. O'Reilly's up there as well. Roman Yossi, Tommy Novak. None of those are surprises at all. Let's move through here um, to your to one of the last ones here, and we're going to move on here. Uh, defensive point shares. How about you give us uh, the rundown on that one? Because I'm seeing Ryan McDonough. That's a player I would really love to talk about tonight. Uh, Ryan McDonough, who, you know, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. I, I guess I'm guilty of this as well. But sometimes Ryan McDonough really does get, like, overlooked by this fan base, how important he is. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's he been near flawless, honestly. On off, um, I mean – Everyone knows he's obviously a huge defensive guy, and he's done so well this year to stifle the opposition. But like, what I want to highlight with Brian McDonough is he seemed to he he seemed to have upped his offensive game a little bit too. Like he you you see him out there making some stretch passes, and you're like, wow, I didn't know Ryan McDonough really that he he would do that. But he's doing that more and more from time to time, and you're seeing him get more involved in the offense. That'll never be, of course, that'll never be his forte. He'll at heart will truly be a stay-at-home defenseman, that's what he does best, but he's not shying away from getting involved in the offensive attack a little bit and taking some chances with the puck. You know, I like to see that. How sweet was it to see him uh, haunt his former team in the Tampa Bay Lightning with that sweet oh, yeah. backhand laser? That's that's a goal you don't see scored very often. 
Um, it's you know how hard it is to score a backhand like that on that type of zip. Oh yeah, I mean, and and, and in his former in first team game in Tampa Bay, he had a huge stretch pass for Ryan o that led to Ryan O'Reilly's first goal as a Predator. I mean, oh, and games, I can tell you, both I, games he made plays against his former team. And I can tell you right now, as you know, I live down here in the Tampa area. I know a lot of Tampa Bay Lightning fans, and they all miss him dearly. Oh yeah, that was, was hard so for them to swallow. I think t Lightning fans, if we did a poll, and I've already talked to a few of them, the Ryan McDonough trade hurts them way more than losing those five draft picks for Tanner Janot. I can promise you that. Yeah, no, and like you could just that tell like, the them. way that organization was talking after that he trade. He is so made. beloved. Right? I they, mean, they, they, you it, could just no, tell it, they, they did not want to make that trade. They did it not. It wouldn't matter that. where Ryan McDonough went. Ryan McDonough could play for any NHL team in this league, and that fan base would just adore him because he's that oh, yeah. great of a dude. Oh, and yeah. we're so winner. lucky to have him in the in a Predators uniform. Maybe he will retire as a Predator. It, it could happen. He might, it honestly. Could. I mean, because especially because he's in the stage of his career now where he's already won two Stanley Cups. And, you know, he said that, you know, part, you know, he, he when he was getting traded, you know, he, he had a lot of power on where he was going to go. And he picked Nashville, um, I don't know. We don't know exactly how it panned out, but like he wasn't going to go anywhere that wasn't like he didn't want to be there. And it seemed like he really wanted to be in Nashville. And it seems like now, just like Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, and it seems like at this point in his career, he he wants to go to a place that's good for him and you know, his family because his you know his his kids are getting a little older now. You know they're still pretty young kids, but you know he is. I think his his daughter at this point is getting close to having to go to school regularly and stuff. So I think definitely he wants. You know, place that's you know besides a good team, the place where he's going to be able to settle well with a in a good place. And I think Nashville is really that place for him, especially because he's he's already won a few Stanley Cups beforehand. Well, how awesome is it that we're starting to see veterans, uh, respected veterans like Ryan McDonough and Ryan O'Reilly, who want to come play in Nashville? Oh yeah, I mean, great, and I think a lot of it has. To, I mean, obviously McDonough came here in a trade when. Barry, when uh, David Poyle was still here, who also had a ton of respect, but now yep. you got Barry Trotz, who has a ton of respect, and I think he's going to uh, uh, attract a whole different type of a free agency in his years as GM. So we'll have to see how that all that pans out. But um, also want to mention before we move on here and round out episode two twelve, the Predators have the second most projected cap space in the NHL right now. A vast majority of the NHL right now is completely cash-strapped. They do not have yeah. a lot of flexibility when it mm -hmm. comes to making trades right now, which is really going not. to take us into a really quick – we've already hit it a lot, but I do want to – we we do want to make a quick update on the latest with Tyson Berry, who did play yep. tonight against the Canadians. But we want to give a quick update on that and how we see that going. Has our opinions changed on that since – Episode 211, we got to also um, do a quick rapid fire on who we think could be the next player to be called up for the Preds in the prospect pool. And then I want to wrap it up because we're going to go into a Monday here. The Titans play on Monday night. We told you that we're going to start talking a little bit more Titans in the yep. future on Catfish Night, so we got to do that. So we're going to hit all these topics rapid fire yep. as we're coming up on an hour and a half in episode 212. Yeah. Uh, we're happy. We're going strong. But Max, let's get into um, uh, 
what we're talking about here with uh, the latest on the Tyson Berry uh, trade. What, what 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 is your thoughts compared to last episode? What has changed? Do you still feel the same? Um, yes. What's going to happen here? Yeah. So you know, last we heard, you know, we knew that the the Preds were letting Tyson Berry speak to other teams, but there was some interesting stuff that came out with the media this week, and it's that Barry Trotz apparently was not happy with Barry with Tyson Berry and his agent that the news got leaked because if in Barry's words, and I'm not trying to put um steal his words or anything but from what i had heard that he said that four people total had n- were supposed to know that that was a thing and the fact that it got leaked was that he was barry trotz was not shy he did not um he, he was not happy about that tyson barry was even asked about it and he didn't deny it either he was like yeah you know those conversations were tough and tyson barry i thought handled it well you know it from you know from what i saw you know because people were like yeah he wasn't necessarily comfortable saying but he even said something like yeah you know i've I don't blame them really because I haven't played. I haven't played as well as I want to, and basically said I know why the team's doing it. And I also like from from what I heard from Barry Trotz. I don't remember who tweeted it or whatever, but I had heard something that that Barry Trotz was saying. Look, I we I don't. He mentioned he didn't want to you know blow it out too much out of proportion because he knows that Barry is like in the locker room a lot, and and you know and he didn't want to, and he knew it didn't define him. So I think you know. It's never ideal when you're in a situation like that, but you know, I think you know all sides, you know, handled it as well as they could have, and it just shows, you know. And also, I'm kind of going down, um, going on a tangent here, but it also kind of shows how Barry Trotz's, you know, his approach to running this team because we saw early in the off season with him buying out Matt Duchesne. There's a lot of moments where it's like, oh man, like this is hardcore stuff right here what Barry's running Barry Trotz is running and you know, he's not messing around at all but you know as far as beginning going back to you know what you're saying about you're, you're asking you know, how I think it's going to play out I still you know I, I definitely still think at this point it's a matter of you know not not if it's when and where Barry is going to be traded and yeah but also what you're saying too because so many teams are cap strapped and Tyson Barry has a 4.5 mil he has a 4.5 million dollar cap it the preds are almost yeah. certainly going to have to um retain some of that cap space but, don't think so. but i don't know if you so did you see max uh pierre lebron of the athletic put out there w- with his sources and his insiders because he's one of the top insiders mm-hmm. out there he gets he gets information that yep. almost nobody else can touch out there outside of a few yeah um he put out there that as of right now, Barry Trotz is not willing to retain salary on really? T- Tyson Barry. No, that surprises me. It's only one year left. No. He's not wow. willing. And and I, okay. I hey, we we like we both like to I pump agree. our. I don't break. know if I agree with hey, that, you, folks, but hey, Max, we both like to pump our brakes here. Let me pump my brakes a okay. little bit here. Right. Or pump my tires. Uh, I like that analogy you use. I'm gonna <laughs> pump my tires a little bit. I said in the last episode that the Preds are very well likely to go to take the patient approach here. And if those, if those quotes are true by Pierre Lebrun, which I very much oh, I trust, trust Pierre Lebrun as one of the top insiders, I took a step back as well, Max, when I read those. I did. Yeah. But trusting the source, um, what I gather from it is that Trotz still see, if as long as he can keep the drama out of the locker room, and everything, which it looks like it will be. It looks like it. It does. 
I think that Barry Trotz is willing to play Tyson Barry, and hopefully Barry can put something out there on the ice that attracts another team. Let let everything simmer out there. You hate to say it this way, but let some injuries happen that haven't happened yet that will force yeah. teams to be more desperate. I hate to put it that way, but it's just the way the game happens. It is. Um, I think that the reason why Trotz is not willing to reta- retain salary right now doesn't mean he's not going to be willing to retain salary later. I don't sure. think Trotz wants to show his hand right now. So why not put Barry in your lineup when – as a rota- rotational player, which is what I think is going to happen. Yes. I don't think Barry's going to start every game, no. but put him in there. I like Barry in the lineup more than I like Luke Shen. Don't even By argue with me on that one. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no. You're and not going to argue, as long as, argue for me on that one. As long as Tyson Barry is not a distraction and he's out there, I know there's some fans in my mentions, for sure, some really good listeners who do not want to see Tyson Barry out there. And I get that. But is he better than Luke Shen? I think so. Absolutely. For this team Absolutely. in most situations. So I think that right now it's a wait-and-see approach. It's very yep. inevitable. And what you, what Barry Trotz is rolling the dice on here is that a team's going to come knocking eventually. You got, you got plenty of time until the trade deadline. Someone's going to come knocking, and they're going to think, you know what, we're going to slightly overpay – for Tyson Berry, whether that be a better draft pick or whatever, we're going to give Barry a little bit Tyson, or um, I should say Barry trots. We're going to give Barry trots a little bit more than we might want to give to him. Right. And we're going to go ahead and take Tyson Barry. And at that point, maybe Barry trots will be willing to retain a little salary because he's got that wiggle room. He's got, he's got the second most calorie salary cap space in the league right now. Only the Chicago Blackhawks have more cap space right now. So he's got leverage. He's got room to wait this out for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, what was said this week about Barry Trotz saying that we have to be very careful how we're using the word Barry here. But I know there's too many berries floating around here. (laughs) But no, what Trotz was saying about how he intended for only four people to know, which I assume, you know, would be Trotz himself, Brunette, Tyson Berry and his agent, which again we don't necessarily we don't know is there. We can't speculate too much. But again, point being is, I don't think Trotz wanted to show his hand there on you know trading Tyson Berry at least this soon. And I think that's why he's saying, look, you know, why why he's willing to keep him. In, or I mean, I guess the lineup isn't really a decision; it's Brunette's decision. But I that's also part of the reason I can see why he's not retaining salary now because he's like, look, I'm not the one who willingly put this information out there. It was other people, and he's, yeah. that's, I guess that's Trot saying, I'm not going to back down from what my original plan was. I had a plan, then Phil got leaked. It wasn't on me, and this is how it's going to be, and hopefully it's not awkward, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that bad because I think you know Barry's so. Tyson, Tyson Barry is still very well <laughs> liked enough in the locker room where it's not going to be an issue, and like I said, Tyson himself seemed down to earth about it, even if he wasn't comfortable talking about yeah. it. And, 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 and if you're Tyson Berry right now, you're a veteran in this league. You're, oh, you've yeah. got 500 career. You've got five, you just hit your 500 point milestone of your career. I yeah. mean, he's, he's playing for his next team. Yeah. So Tyson Berry has no reason to go out there and not play his best. So oh, yeah. 
he's going to go out there and, g- and give you his best. Uh, tonight against the Canadians, he puts up one shot on goal. He only gets 14 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time. But you know what? I mean, I, again, we'll have to wait and see how it unfolds. I, he's going to be a rotational type of player. We'll probably see Luke Shin back in there at some point. Uh, it's probably going to be a situation where Barry and Shen are rotated in and out with each other based on the matchup. There might yeah. be a game where uh, Andrew Burnett sees a more of a benefit to have a rugged and hard-hitting Luke Shen in right. the lineup over a Tyson Barry. It's going to be a brunette type of decision, but those two are the interchangeable players. I don't see a healthy Alexander Carrier being healthy scratch. No, I I don't like Dante Fabro being taken I out of the lineup. Fabro had an assist. Fabro had an assist tonight. I've loved yeah. what Dante Fabro has done this season. I hate yeah. when I see him healthy scratch. So at this point, at this point, you're rotating Tyson Berry and Luke Shen. That's what you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. And and I but, genuinely uh, I genuinely believe, and I guess this will be at least my um, last thing to say. I, I genuinely believe that Tyson Berry really wants his time in Nashville to end on a high note. And he's gonna do what he can to, you know, salvage whatever there is. And but for a person like him, you know, I think as long as there is no beef with his um teammates, because that's the most important thing, you know, the teammates have a bond that's you know, the players have a bond that, you know, is more different than anyone else. As long as he can end on good terms with those guys, I think he'll be okay. And I think that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. I don't I don't see any Again, you know, everyone, every team has a little bit of drama that comes out at some point, but I don't think the Preds are going to let this, you know, be a huge distraction. I think they're just going to get back to work and chalk it up as a, just um, a misunderstanding, if you will. For sure. All right, let's move along here. Rapid fire. We've seen some season debuts from Mark Jankowski. Yep. Uh, But who is next? from the Preds prospect pool to make their season debut. We've seen Spencer Stassi. We saw Mark yep. Del Geizo. They've both gone back down for the defense. Yep. We really haven't seen a lot of shakeups in the forwards outside no. of Mark Jankowski. Um, Max, I'll answer after you, but do you see, do, do you think we're primed to see someone other than Jankowski eventually make their season debut among the Fords? Could you see a De- uh, Denise Garionov? Could you see a Igor Afanasiev? Or do you think that unless a lot of injuries happen, those guys are pretty much in Milwaukee for the duration this year? You know, it's hard. You know, when the Preds are totally healthy, it's hard to say, you know, anyone from the Ford core should absolutely be pulled. But I could see at some point this year because – I mean, because everyone, at least everyone waves about him so much and he was so hyped up when he was drafted. I would think at some point we're going to see Joachim Kemmel get some action. Mm. I think that's one. Uh, that's the one I'm really waiting on. And of course, you've got um, Fedor Svechkov and Zach LaRue, who were the first round picks from 2021. They have haven't gotten Which their chances yet. Uh, I don't like them starting this year. It would ha- it Fair would enough. take It would take like a... Not not Kimmel. I, I agree with Joachim Kimmel on yeah. you, but I'm, when it comes to Larue and Shveshkov, I think they need a full year is left this in Milwaukee. Year yes, it is. No, I think La, no. It's not. It's not Larue's for, first full year in Milwaukee. It is Shveshkov's. It is. Yes, and they're okay, having great the- years. They're showing great. I mean, Larue's as you would not even be surprised by 
has been in the penalty box a lot, but it's kind of inflated over two or three games where he had a bunch of fighting majors and misconducts. Um, But from what I've seen and gathered just in my um, light research of it, LaRue's improved in that area a little bit. Good. Good. He just has two or three games. that's inflated those penalty numbers, penalty minute numbers, but still he, he's a ways off still, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. Shveshkov, I, I definitely would put um um I would definitely put um Kemmel over both of them. That's what I was. Yeah, saying. I I mean it, it's an interesting point. I agree with you in the sense that I think the forward core is pretty set right now, unless unfortunately some a lot of injuries happen. But um, another thing we have to keep in mind, and again, I don't foresee this happening. I think the Predators are going to be in the mix for the playoffs throughout this season. And yep. I could be jinxing them, but I'm just, I'm not saying I'm never wrong. Um, don't come at me in two months. Don't bookmark <laughs> this video and say, oh, you were wrong. You jinxed us. But I'm just saying right here on December 10th, 2023, I am saying that I do not foresee the Predators falling so far out of the playoff race that this season becomes a waste and they have to just trade off the farm like they did I last year. Uh, I don't see that happening. I, I think either. they're going to remain in the and Barry Trotz wouldn't have gone out and signed Ryan O'Reilly and Gus Nyquist and all these veterans if he didn't want to make the playoffs and if he wasn't all in to make the playoffs and ride Soros and see what if some magic can happen like 2017. You can hate that. I know there's plenty of fans and friends of mine in the Predators community who hate that approach. They want to gut it all. They want to suck for five years and hope we can be good, get a couple top draft picks. I get all I get all that, but that's not what Trotz wants. So we just have to come to – you just have to get over it. So yeah. I think that the – out of the – if we're – for the sake of this argument we're talking about right now, if something – the next Ford that would make their season debut for me, if it comes to that, comes down to are you more for the future or are you more for helping you win games right now? in that scenario. And when it comes to the Fords, if it's for winning games right now and needing someone you can just plug in and do some things for you, it would be Denise Garyanov for me because he's played in this league. He's yep. done some things. We haven't seen him yet this season. Um, I was very surprised at the time that he didn't make the roster out of training camp. I was dead wrong on that. I'll happily admit it. I was dead wrong. I thought he was a shoe in to make the roster out of training camp, but he didn't. And he's doing, he's tearing it up for Milwaukee right now. Mind you. Um, Igor Afanasiev is a really tough one for me. I want to believe that he's going to make it in the NHL. I, I love the guy. He has a great shot, but he is way behind where he should be right now. He should already be in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, he, we came in last year. He came in last year for a bit and you can't judge too much from last year, but when he was in, he was invisible, honestly. I mean, there were there were some flashes of like, okay, maybe he's getting a little better here, but like nothing that you could look back in those 16 games, I believe, was and be like, yeah, that's a guy that we have to have going forward. And, you know, there was a lot of – it's sad, but like, it seems like, you know, there was a lot of hype previously around him, and it just keeps getting less and less and less. Yeah. I mean, I just – he's way behind the curve. He, he should be further along. He should be in the NHL by now. Um, it doesn't mean that we should give up on him. I'm just saying that out of all the prospects that you're looking at right now, who you're kind of worried about, 
I'm way more worried about Afanasiev than I am any other prospect right now yeah. in terms of not being where they should be in their along in their NHL journey. Yeah, uh, right now it could obviously been, change. Um, he, but I think your next call when it comes to the forwards, your next call up if you had to dig deep and and go and get somebody, it would be Garyanov. He's earned it. Yeah. He's playing great in Milwaukee. Um, the Preds don't have a need for it right now. It wouldn't make sense to call him up right now because right. why, why disrupt something that's working? Um, there's no one in the Preds forward core right now that, that you could justify yanking out of the lineup. So yeah. I don't see a point in calling up a Gary Onov or any of these players right now, but unforeseen things that happen throughout an 82 game season could happen. And if that, those things do happen, I would, the first player I would call up would be Gary Onoff, in my opinion. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, I, I definitely would think the most exciting one would be Kemmel, who I hope we're going to see this year. I would, he would be more exciting. Though, but, but, you know, as he far would as, be, if, if it's going off excitement factor, Joachim Kemmel all day. Yeah. But if it goes off of just pure who's the most ready to plug in in the NHL, it's Gary Onoff. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. And, but, you, we neither of my choices too. He hasn't really yeah, refined them. Neither, neither, neither of my choices would be Igorov Nasiev right now. Unfortunately, Igorov Nasiev is not on my radar either. I think we're in agreement. Um, when it comes to the defense, you have way more options. Oh, we yeah, have way more deep, NHL options. Deep. If too many, I honestly, mean, to be totally honest, <laughs> we haven't even seen Jake Livingstone this year. We haven't even seen. Um, we haven't even seen Jordan Gross, who's played in this league, who's playing top pairing minutes at, at certain times for the Admirals. Um, yeah. The the defense is so backlogged right now that you're actually seeing Luke Prokop have to go to the um, to the Gladiators, to the yeah. Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL. Yeah, that's crazy. That's how backlogged forget, it is. You almost forget that Mark Del Geizo even played a few games for the Preds. There's there's so many. Uh, quality defenseman in this prospect pool, which is a good thing to have that, that even the Milwaukee admirals can't find space for some of these right. guys right now. Yeah. It's crazy. No, it's nice. All right. Let's, let's, let's do a quick wrap up of episode two twelve. Let's shift to football, Tennessee yep. Titans taking on the Miami dolphins in Miami Monday night football. Um, I want to make it a very simple question for you, Max. Yeah. Uh, as we are going to start talking more Titans on this podcast, we're a hockey-led podcast, but we're going to start mixing in Titans because a lot of our Predators fans are also Titans fans. And I love football, too, and I like talking yeah. Titans. Um, so, first of all, how do you see this game going up against the Dolphins? Titans are heavy underdogs. The Dolphins have a run-and-gun, flashy offense. Yeah. I'm very, very terrified that the Dolphins are going to hang 40 yeah. on the Titans, and I have nightmares of the game, although it's not going to snow like it did in New England, in Miami, but I have that. I still have nightmares of that uh, Foxborough game where um, the Titans lost like 52-3 to three or something like yeah. that, something crazy. Or yeah. um, I don't think it'll be that bad, but Tua, Tonga Vailoa, and the Dolphins' speedy offense, I feel like they're going to put 40 on our secondary, Max. Yeah, no, I uh, it's it, I I don't I everything that people are predicting about this game, I think everyone's spot on. I think this is a terrible 
and I mean terrible matchup nightmare for the Titans. You got. Uh, I, would be, I would be surprised if Tua doesn't throw for over 400 yards. I'm going to say that right now. People, he's people on my fantasy next, team, Max. Yeah, I mean, people might call me super negative. People might call me just no, it's called like, like irrational. But like that's 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 so bad right there. The way the Titans secondary has played this year versus probably the best the best receiving do on football, Tyreek Hill. He's so fast. That whole offense place has so much speed, and of course. You know, we have middle linebackers at the second level who are not fast or athletic enough either. You know, I would, you know, I will say, you know, one thing that could have gone in our favor is a lot of times, you know, finesse offense, offenses like the Dolphins would struggle against good front sevens. But, you know, our, our front seven That's is, what I was about to say. is good this year. And you got no Jeffrey Simmons in there. So uh. the one guy you would have had that would have potentially made a difference, your biggest difference maker on your defense by far is not going to be there. So that's what I was going to yeah. ask you. I was going to, I was literally about to br- Max, I was about to bring up that our one hope is we can win the line of scrimmage and we can, we can rush Tua into yeah. throwing, getting rid of the ball before he wants to get rid of it. But then Tua can beat you with his legs. Yep. Yeah. It's so it's uh, like what I mean, and, do you really think we can keep up with them on the scoreboard and attract me? I mean, yeah. I love Will Levis. I'm really excited about his future, but we're not keeping up with them in a track meet. We're not no, putting 30 no, to 40 not. points like, on the board. Honest again, you know, call me irrationally pessimistic, but I and I but I mean this in all sincerity. If the score was kept within three touchdowns, I would be pleased. Ugh. All right. So let me ask you this real quick. Let's move, yeah. let's move from that. Let's ask. What, if anything, in your opinion, Max, can the yep. Titans do to salvage this season? I don't mean like salvage it like, oh, they'll somehow miraculously make the playoffs. No, that, that ship is sailed. I just mean like, what can they do, in your opinion, where when the season's over, we can at least look back on it and think, okay, that makes me feel better. If if the offense and Will Levis can turn in a good, I'm not this saying happened. every game from now is going to have to be really good, but if Will Levis and the Titans can, if Will, I'll say this though, if Will Levis can pretty much continue what he's doing over these next few games, whether these games are wins or losses, I don't care what they are because I don't, I honestly don't really care if we're winning. I don't even care. If we're, I don't really care, especially exactly where the draft position ends up, as long as Will Levis can continue to do what he's doing. Because that's the hardest part of any team to find that quarterback that you have hoped for. If Will Levis can continue to do what he's doing, then I'm going to feel good about this team, and I'm going to feel that this season's a success. That's what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a failure just because I think the Titans had higher expectations than what they're doing. I, I, I kind of hinted at it at the last episode, but we'll save it for for another future episode because I still want to get your overall thoughts on the future of Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Um, I've lost, I used to love Mike Vrabel and I still like him as a dude, but I don't know if he's the long, I, I think he's a little bit of a used car. I've salesman, also a little bit of, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not, I'm not a, I, I've, I've said, I've heard a lot of people say that I get used car salesman vibes from Mike Vrabel, <laughs> but I will say a lot of, what a lot of people have said about Vrabel. I'm not, I'm not a fire Mike Vrabel guy, but I'm a question Mike Vrabel guy right now. Yeah. That's where All I'm right. at. Cause you, you shouldn't, you certainly shouldn't. I certainly don't think there are many coaches, if any coaches, that could win with the talent that's on this Titans roster. I mean, well, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good I point. Think, I think we'll say that. that. I mean, no, no well, one's making a any any sort of contender out of what what's on the team right now. 
We'll put that on the back burner. We'll get yep. deeper into that for another episode. But until then, it's been fun talking hockey. Can I say tonight. one? Can I say one more thing? Yeah, get into it always. And you know, I hate to, we hate to end on this. No, we don't want anything sad. But Frank Wycheck, the Titans' great tight end, unfortunately passed away this morning. And I don't want to go into what we heard the cause or anything. But you know, I think and. I would say, you know, me personally, I wasn't a huge, a huge Titans watcher when he was playing, but you know, I've seen, I've we we saw the Music City Miracle. You know, we've heard enough great things about what Wycheck around this town. You know, he was all he was dedicated to this team no matter what, and to lose a guy like that, especially at age fifty-two, it's just you know, it sucks. And it's been you know, it's a pretty rough weekend you know, with the tornado and you know Frank Wycheck passing away. But you know, I didn't want to talk Titans without you know mentioning a little bit of a Absolutely. tribute to Frank Wycheck. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up, and he. Um, so I'm 35 years old. I'm old enough to, um, remember when the music city miracle happened. Uh, remember where I was at, uh, uh, growing up through that time, Frank Wycheck was easily right there with Steve McNair for me as, um, one of my favorite players. And I mean, I saw a, a picture, um, sent out today from, uh, Jim Wyatt, the longtime great, oh, yeah. uh, um, Co coverage of the Titans. Uh, Jim Wyatt is just like an OG of Titans oh, yeah. coverage. Oh, yeah. And uh, he put out a, a, a picture that really like almost got me to tears and I'm not even exaggerating here. Um, and it showed, it, it showed a, a amazing picture of Wycheck, Eddie George, Bud Adams and Steve McNair holding the plaques up and just seeing Frank there. And yeah. I remember Frank on the morning show for 104.5 The Zone uh, with Mark Howard, who has also been lost for us, which was also really tough when I found out about Mark Howard, um, another OG Nashville sports guy. And, um, yeah, it's it's really hard. It's I mean, Frank was an amazing person, a great guy, a great teammate. A anyone who was privileged enough to get to know him um, – came out a better person because of it. So uh, really, really somber way to end the show, but yeah. Max is absolutely right. We can't talk Titans without giving our total respect and gratitude and prayers and thoughts to Frank Wycheck's family yeah. and just remembering him as the amazing person he was for the community of Nashville, for the, oh, yeah. for the team, for Titans fans, for NFL fans, for everyone he ever touched. So, um, yeah. Yep. Rest in peace to Frank Wycheck. Uh, also, all of our thoughts again to everyone impacted by the tornadoes that came through the Nashville area last night. Um, we will keep an eye on ways to help. We'll put it out on all of our social media pages. Um, with that said, we got a we got a uh, interview tomorrow with Greg Amundsen, who does analytics for hockey. He does a lot of. Uh, standings, projections, models. Uh, really, really amazing person. We're going to do an interview with him tomorrow. I will upload that to the Catfish Nice YouTube channel. Um, some point tomorrow night or at least by Tuesday. Hit subscribe, please. It helps a ton. Follow us on X at Catfish Ice. This has been your host, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. We've had a great time with y'all. See you later. Salute to everyone. Thank you for watching. Good old two-hour episode of Catfish and Ice gave you a good one to chew on this week. We'll see you soon. Take care. Be kind to one another. We'll see you soon.
Gracias, Pedro.